Are you looking for a job? Do you know someone who's looking for a job? Then check out our job board over at revisionpath.com forward slash jobs. Whether you want a full-time job or you're looking for something temporary or freelance, we've got you covered. This week, Tamarack Media Cooperative is looking for a coder for environmental initiatives. Also, Revision Path is looking for staff writers. So check out the Revision Path job board at revisionpath.com forward slash jobs and find your next job today. You're listening to the Revision Path Podcast, a weekly showcase of the world's black graphic designers, web designers, and web developers. Through in-depth interviews, you'll learn about their work, their goals, and what inspires them as creative individuals. Here's your host, Maurice Cherry. Welcome to the Revision Path Podcast. My name is Maurice Cherry, and I gotta say, it is so good to be back. I know we didn't have a new episode last week, but my voice was still completely shot. It's much better now, although I'm still like a little bit hoarse. You can probably hear it, uh, but it's all good though. Uh, thanks to those of you who sent me well wishes. I actually felt okay. It was just my voice was gone. Um, but you know, to make up for last week because we didn't have an episode, um, we're gonna have a bonus episode on January 28th. That's gonna be on a Thursday, so be on the lookout for that. All right, now before we get into this week's interview, I want to talk about our sponsors, Mailchimp and Hover. Mailchimp is the best software out there for sending marketing emails, automated messages, and targeted campaigns. Join more than 10 million people who use Mailchimp to design and send 600 million emails every day. Sign up today at Mailchimp.com. When you have a great idea, you want to secure a great domain name for it, and that's really where Hover comes in. Hover makes it easy for you to find that domain name and get it up and running with no hassle and no heavy-handed upselling. So go ahead and grab yourself a domain today and use the promo code REVISIONPATH and save 10% off your purchase. Alright, here's our Patreon fundraising campaign update. So we're up to 27 patrons right now for a combined total of $186.88 per month. Again, a huge thanks for everyone that has already pledged your support. We just got some new patrons that came in. Um, really appreciate your support and appreciation for the show. If you want to become a patron of Revision Path and get access to great perks like special giveaways, early access to future episodes, and free Revision Path swag, head on over to patreon.com forward slash revision path and make that happen. Pledge levels start at just $1 per month, and it's a great way to support the show on a regular basis. Oh, and before I forget, we have a Slack room now. We just launched it about a week ago, so come join and chat with the Revision Path community. I'm in there pretty much every day. Uh, just go to revisionpath.com forward slash Slack to sign up for an invite. Now for this week's interview, I talked with creative Napoleon Wright II. Napoleon does a little bit of everything. He does animation, video, film, music, and of course, design. All of this out of Raleigh, North Carolina. So let's start the show. All right. So tell us who you are and what you do. My name is Napoleon Wright II. I am the principal designer at Pan2 Creative. I'm an animator, filmmaker, music producer, and designer based out of Raleigh, North Carolina. And just an overall creative person, I guess you could say. Now, talk to me about the creative scene in Raleigh. I've been to Raleigh before I was there back in September speaking at Hopscotch Design Festival. And I sort of got a taste of what that scene is like. But since you're there, are you from Raleigh as well? 
I claim Raleigh now. I grew up military. Okay. I, I was born in Fort Irwin, California. And from there, we moved to Fort Hood, Texas. And from, from there to Georgia. And then overseas to Germany, where um, before Raleigh is where I spent most of my time growing up. Um, from first to fifth grade, I lived in Darmstadt, Germany, and Bamberg, and Wiesbaden. And then we moved from Germany to Maryland and Fort Ritchie, Maryland, to be exact. And that's where I went to middle school. And then from Fort Ritchie, we moved to Virginia. And that's where I went to high school. Graduated high school, uh, came to East Carolina University. And then once I graduated from there, I got an internship straight out of school in Raleigh at a PR firm here. And that's pretty much why I stayed here and started my professional career here. And, and I've been here ever since in uh, 2005. So, Wow. It's quite a journey. Yeah. It's, <laughs> when I look back at it like that every now and then, it, it is. It is a journey. So for you, what's like the Raleigh creative scene like? How would you describe it? To me, man, right now, it's pretty incredible because Raleigh is a city that's growing fast. At, like entrepreneurship and just ideas are thriving here like wild. I was talking to my friend the other day that I feel like it's an interesting area because we have some heavy hitters as far as like you have companies like SAS, Citrix just moved here, Red Hat, IBM. You have these big companies, but the city itself isn't this large, huge city yet. And so what's happening is like, there's a lot of people coming here for, you know, cost of living reasons. You know, it's the fastest growing city. I think it's the fastest growing city right now in the US or number one for business. At least I do know that. But the creative scene right now, if you have an idea, there's nothing really stopping you from trying to make it become a reality. And the community supports that. And it's just really wild that, um, that creativity can thrive in such a place right now that's also a growing city. And I think that's what makes it incredible is because I use the metaphor all the time that if someone were to open up a store, like someone were to open up a, an ice cream shop in like a New York City or whatever, it would just be yet another ice cream shop in New York City. But mm -hmm. if somebody opens up one here in Raleigh, it becomes the ice cream shop in downtown Raleigh that then is like the go-to spot. And any place that then opens up another spot, it just becomes that brand new spot that's in Raleigh, you know. So it's a great place to take chances right now. Like I was saying earlier, the cost of living isn't crazy. So for me personally, it's like you can take chances and, and have the flexibility to come up with new and fresh ideas without feeling like 90% of your paycheck has to go to having a roof over your head. Mm -hmm. That's good. I know when I was there, I really got that sense of... Uh... So like you say, a growth and creativity around a lot of what people are doing there. I was really surprised to see the creative community so active and not just active, but I would say thoughtful as yeah, well. Yeah. That's a really interesting quality to have in such a small, I would say in just such a small southern town. It's it's kind of good to see that. Yeah, and it's and it's wild because like a lot of people, if if you pass through this area and you don't know like what's here you could easily miss it. But if you spend some time, like, especially if I was able to give you a tour, you know, like if you spend some time in Raleigh, like a week or so, I could really show you a side of the city that I feel like people would have no idea that exists here. But there's a lot going on and it's growing like every single day to the point where you can really notice it. Like you really recognize that this place is growing overnight. And it's pretty wild. Nice. 
Earlier, you mentioned that you went to East Carolina University. Uh, What did you major in? Design. I got a BFA in uh, communication arts with a concentration in graphic design. Okay. How was your time there? Do you feel like it kind of prepared you once you got out there in the working world? I will say that I I enjoyed my experience at ECU. But what I will say is that, and I don't think this just goes for ECU. I think this goes for a lot of universities, that one thing I wish I did get more of was the ability to have the experience of real life projects in school or have that understanding that like in college, it's like you get a project and an assignment and you pretty much can do whatever you want to do as long as you're showing that you're putting the time into it. And, you know, the teacher will generally understand that you're working hard and all of that. But to give you projects that are like, okay, you have a $5,000 budget and this has to happen and you have this much time Things like that, I wish would be implemented more in not only in my university that I went to, but other universities around the globe. Because I think that once you graduate, there's a reality check that happens where you're embarking upon like your profession or what you went to school for. And the idea of clients, clients, relationships, budgets, I mean, even, you know, your 401k and like things like that, that you get introduced Mm -hmm. to when you get a job, you're just, I feel like there's things that, um, you're overwhelmed with that you may not get in a college uh, atmosphere. But there were a few teachers that definitely tried to instill that into the curriculum. But I think that, you know, overall, I think that would be something that would be very uh, useful for students. So after you graduated, talk to me kind of about what your your progression of jobs was. I know you you mentioned pan to creative which is what you're doing right now. But once you got out of school, kind of what was your working life like? I worked at a PR firm called Capstrat. And I was hired as a designer at the time, and I was doing some design work, and then one day the creative director there asked me if I was interested in animation, and I was like, yeah, yeah, I've always wanted to you know, do or see what that lane of creativity was all about. And so I um, got moved over to the video and animation department, and it was me and this other guy, and basically I learned the programs via uh, real work. Whenever I had questions, he would help me with it, and would teach me the technical side of programs like After Effects and Final Cut. And I basically started to learn it pretty quickly and then started to run with it on my own in the sense of trying to come up with new ways and creative ways to use the programs that I was that I was learning. And from there, some of my work began to get noticed by this other company called Red Hat, which is an open source computing company. And I left the PR firm and ended up going to Red Hat and I was there for about two years, and, and what I did for them was similar to what I did for the, the PR firm that I worked at, where I was doing mostly animation and video work. And when I was at the PR firm, they actually asked me to make some music for a commercial because they knew that I dabbled in some music here uh, in Raleigh. And um, I was like, sure. And so I, I made a track, and the client ended up really liking it, so I ended up making music for commercials and things like that. But when I went to Red Hat, I ended up having to, or I got hired to do the similar and same things from animation to video work and making custom music for their videos. So I was at Red Hat for about two years. And one thing that you start to learn in your professional career is really who, what you want to do and who you want to be in that world of professionalism. And for me, you know, I've always been an artist and a creative at heart. And, you know, I started to notice some things in the corporate structure that just weren't me as an individual. And what I mean by that is, 
I kind of started to realize who you would need to be in some of the things that and some of the moves that you would need to make within such a structure in order to rise in a professional sense, I guess you could say. And those things weren't necessarily who I am as a person. And what it boiled down to is, one, I felt I could do it in a different way. I felt like what I determined to be successful or what I determined as, um, I guess you could say, growth was a different definition than what the corporate structure determined that to be. And so uh, I actually came to a decision with myself where I was like, you know, I feel like, you know, I love what I do and I don't really necessarily need someone telling me to do it. You know, I feel like I would do it regardless. So I decided to go out on my own. I left my job and I decided to pursue my own business. And the first year I left, I basically hit the ground running. I was just like, I don't know exactly. I kind of sort of have an idea of what I want to do, but I just want to begin, basically. And mm-hmm. so what I did was uh, started getting my name out there as much as possible to prospective clients that I worked with in the past and people that just know me from what I do. And I started this name and organization called Because Us. And the idea behind it was that there are a lot of creatives and professionals out there who want to do work for the greater good, like want to help out nonprofits, smaller businesses, and just people that need, just need design, need good design. And I figured out that, you know, how about I start there just helping people the best way I know how is through, you know, my creativity and, you know, not even really having a business plan other than like, I feel like if I just begin helping people that that could evolve into something. So I started out with Because Us and that was like the name of what I was trying to do. And while it started to pick up and it started working, it was interesting. One of the things that I realized after I left my job, my mind was really clear in that sense after I left. And I, on top of starting my own business, I realized how important my now wife is to me. And during that time of open-mindedness, I realized like she was incredible and I needed to marry her. (laughs) So what happened, what happened was we got engaged and, um, Upon getting engaged and just kind of looking ahead into the future, I was like, I'm able to support myself right now with this, what I'm trying to do, but maybe I need to go back to that world of things, of doing the full-time thing. And Mm so I ended up applying for another job, this place called Signal Design here in Raleigh or here in Briar Creek in North Carolina. And um, I started to work there, did the same things that I did at my previous jobs but there was an undenying feeling that I still had in those environments, which was, this isn't the way that I feel like I'm supposed to be using my creativity. And so I just kind of made a promise to myself. It was like, all right, I'm going to really go all in with this. And so I, after a year, I ended up leaving there and beginning started uh, Pan2 Creative because the Because Us was still going and still a strong name. And it's still part of my site today. But if I was going to appeal to a larger audience and other organizations that would be looking to pay me to provide them services, I needed more of a forward-facing brand, you know, a logo, an identity, and a site that spoke to a certain type of audience. So I came up with the name. Me and my dad actually came up with the name Pan2 Creative. And the rest is, you fast forward three to four years to now, and um, that's what I'm still doing to this day. So. So that's a, I mean, that's a lot that you just described there. <laughs> the, the one thing that I, I kind of want to mention is, you know, it can take a lot for people that are working somewhere to 
really sort of build up that fortitude to decide they're going to leave and then strike out on their own. Yeah. Was it like that for you? Did you feel like there was a strong push for you to, to make that happen? Did you feel like it was a leap of faith in any kind of way? Uh, I think it was a little bit of both because I definitely had the obvious things that I could see in front of me that, you know, I was just like, this isn't me or this isn't how I want to take my career. But you can have those thoughts all day. I mean, people talk about stuff by the water cooler all day about this and that and how they don't like that and this. But then there's that other side of it where there's the leap of faith that you have to do. Like, I definitely like I you really just have to jump, man. Like you really just have to. You know, I didn't like I said, I didn't have like a hardcore business plan that I thought out like five, 10 years from now what I want to be doing or whatever. I just yeah. I just knew that this isn't what I wanted to do. And I just went for it. Now, was it tough going from entrepreneurship back into that nine to five? Yes, because I knew in my gut that that's not what I wanted to do. But in the moment when I had got engaged and I was thinking about our future, you know, it was a moment that I had where I was like, you know, it's not about just me anymore. You know, I need to be thinking about us and I thinking about my future and her, and her future and our future. And so what was interesting is I went into it with that mentality, which is a good mentality to have. Yeah. But I think that me going in there with that mentality was great. But I also couldn't deny that underlying feeling of all that is cool, but this still isn't what you're supposed to be doing. <laughs> yeah. So it's It's sort of that thing. My mom used to tell me this when I when I first graduated from school and it was tough for me to try to find jobs and I would, I would take these jobs that weren't the jobs that I wanted to do. Right. And she would just tell me, you know, sometimes you have to do, I forget how she said it. I think she would say that you have to do the work. There's the work that you have to do and there's the work that you want to do. Right. And that sometimes you have to do the work that you have to in order to do the work that you want to. It's very and so I was like doing customer service and, answering phones and telemarketing and all this stuff before I got my first actual like design job. But it's good that you went into it with this notion of like, it's a means to an end. It wasn't, you didn't go into it with a sense of like failure or anything. Cause I feel like sometimes that's what happens with entrepreneurs. They go back into that workaday world where it's like, maybe they couldn't cut it in some sort of way. But in your case, that wasn't what it was. It was this is a means to an end. I have to do it for this particular purpose. Right. I never thought that it was like I gave up or I failed. It was just me. It wasn't about me anymore. You know what I mean? And so for that reason, I was like, this is cool that you want to do this. But if you're trying to have a sustainable or sustainable finances and a relationship in a way where you can provide or at least hold up your side of things at this moment in time, this is what you May, what you got to do may need to do. Yeah. But it what yeah. was cool, though, is through doing that, I realized and built up the confidence to know that I felt so strongly about it, how strong I felt about it. I knew that would carry me to be successful in the sense of if I were to when I left my job trying to start my own business, I knew that I would put my all into it. Right. For those reasons. So. And also, weddings are not cheap. Yeah, weddings. So you you got to have... <laughs> weddings are not cheap, man. The right. wedding game is, I tell you. So talk to me about pan Too creative I know you kind of mentioned some of the services and things that you offer, but yeah. walk me through like a typical day with pan Too creative right. and then also talk about like what are the best types of clients for you to work with. Right. So because the nature of my business is like 
I don't know. When I check my email, I don't know, you know, what's going to be in there. That could take me to some entirely different journey creatively. But a typical day is, you know, I wake up. I actually have a studio downtown. So I go to my studio and I begin work that I'm either currently working on at the moment in time or administrative things, whether it's checking my email, trying to follow up with people, trying to update my website, which is the eternal quest, trying to keep, I feel yeah, <laughs> trying to keep it as current as possible. But generally, it's me working on work that is like in process or thinking about what I can do next. Those are really the two things that I do on a daily basis. You know, I get inspiration from everything. So if like, for instance, if I just finished up a project, my first goal is to try to get it on my site or at least blast it out so people can check it out. And once that's finished, usually if I have a window of time, I like to just kind of like zone out a little bit. And what I mean by that is like just walk around, listen to instrumentals, listen to music, go for a walk or whatever, and just kind of clear my mind and reset for whatever may be coming next. But then I also like to use that open time to help out friends and like smaller businesses, nonprofits. And that's kind of where the because us element comes in. Whenever I'm not doing kind of like bigger corporate work, I try to like help out somebody with a logo or, or, you know, an organization, you know, pro bono or something like that. But generally, I mean, if I'm not working on something, that's what I'm trying to do. If I'm on a project, I basically disappear for a little bit (laughs) and I'm just kind Mm -hmm. of like in the zone doing that. But that's generally what my days look like, man. Yeah, that's pretty much it. And then like the types of clients, I know you mentioned nonprofits, but Mm -hmm. are there like particular I don't know, industries or sectors that you work with particularly? Well, it it varies. One of my clients now, Fidelity Investment Company, I'm helping out with some animations within the UXD department. Red Hat, the open source company, every year they have an event called the Red Hat Summit, um, which is basically like Red Hat's, uh, well, (laughs) I was going to equate it to the Apple, anytime Apple makes an announcement, but I don't want to put Red Hat and Apple in the same sentence because they they would get mad about that. But it's the equivalent of, it's basically, it's a big announcement of, of their capabilities and technologies for the coming year. And I will create animation, animated presentations for some of the presenters for that. And it varies from, you know, corporate stuff like that to United Way of North Carolina. I did an animation for them that was explaining how, you know, Raleigh's the number one place for business right now, but not on such a great list for social mobility. So they wanted to get the word out about how we need to be more aware of how we're building, where we're building, and some of the people that are less fortunate in these areas that may be getting overlooked by the fact that Raleigh is such a growing, is growing at such a rapid pace in this, in a growing city. And it ranges, you know, so from nonprofit stuff like or organizations like that, corporate things, to I just recently put out two projects. One was a 20-track instrumental album, and another project was this collaborative project with my friend Jared Wofford. Me and him made our first EP under this. Our group name is called ArtNap. It's a real just collaborative, beautiful project in my eyes, just, you know, not just because I made it, but just you know, his background, he has a master's in jazz and he's just a, a really just dope musician first and foremost. And then I come at it from a perspective of just loving music and making music that makes me feel good. And so when we combine, we, we create a pretty cool, like a refined but raw sound. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it's like it's funny because when I talk about it, it sounds like it's all over the place. But when I'm living it, it doesn't because it, it just seems very organic to me, how it just floats back and forth to what I'm doing. You know, Pantu Creative 
is kind of I've always wanted it to be that this organic entity, even the logo itself, like I designed it so it looks kind of like this mountainous landscape where my idea behind it is like I'm bringing you into this world, into this land, and which is my world of creativity to where just like in nature, it's like this raw, refined environment. You know, it's not perfect, but it is perfect kind of thing. That's just how I see everything, and that's just how I see the world. This kind of perfect imperfection, I guess you could say. Let's talk about the music, because I, I actually listened to the the instrumental album. It's called Dichotomy, I believe. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Listen to some of that before, you know, kind of as I was doing my my research for the interview and everything. When did you first really start getting into music and music production? Um, I started getting into it seriously. I say seriously 2005, 2006 when I got here in Raleigh, because... When I got here, this area was like the people that I started to meet, the hobby, people's hobbies was making beats and making music and that people were in groups and bands. And like this was I don't know if you're familiar with Little Brother at all. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Little Brother. So that that whole like I mean, now it's, it's Fonte and Ninth Wonder Fonte is doing foreign exchange and stuff. But yeah, yeah I'm yeah. familiar with that. OK, yeah, yeah. So they coming off of their explosion and their success, like in this area, like they were pretty much the ones that said you can make it. So when I got here, everybody was on like little brother just was, was hardcore proof. And so people were just making music and everything. So when I came in this area, I didn't really know too many people. So when I came up here, you know, I would just go out by myself and I kind of fell into follow the music essentially. And I would meet people dancing. And then through music, I started to meet people and I met my wife, actually, she was, it was, I tell a story where uh, she was, it was the end of the night when people are trying to like get phone numbers and whatnot at the end of the evening. Right. The lights come yeah, on. Yeah, the lights come on. Like, yeah. People, people <laughs> slow dancing. Marvin Gaye, they're playing that Marvin Gaye track. Right. So she was kind of, she was just there by herself, just kind of silly dancing by herself. I tell her the story how I was actually on my way to the bathroom, but like I saw her and was like, I got to dance with her before I missed a chance or whatever. So I did that. And then after we danced, I was like, thanks, you know, I appreciate it, blah, blah. blah. And I just kind of left. I tell the story because I, after that night, I would go to the same place that was a popular place to go. And I kept running into her, running into her. And eventually I asked her if she wanted to go have some dinner with me. So from meeting her, getting to know her even more, I ended up meeting her brother. And her brother was actually in a group called Cooley High. And I don't know if you're familiar with them, but they're a group out of Raleigh, very dope hip hop group. And, uh, okay. you know, I met her brother naturally as just her brother. But then after we kind of like clicked and just started hanging out a little bit, I met the rest of the, the crew. From there, I just kind of like got tapped into the scene in the sense of listening to their music. And when I heard their music, I was like, you know, this music is great. I want to like you guys need to be out there like this. And um, I told him I wanted to do a documentary on them. Just because I saw not only the good people that they were, but just like their story from meeting at NC State and just starting a group out of a hip hop group called H2O that they began at NC State and they began Cooley High out of that group. I was like, you guys have a great story and you're good people. I just want people to know who you are. So I did a documentary on them. And um, like, yeah, I mean, I just basically fell into the scene that way. It was very organic. Like, and that's why I started making music seriously just because it was all around me and and uh, it was the first time that it was like actually I was immersed in the environment so as someone that kind of goes back and forth between these different disciplines do you find that 
there's times where you're just more immersed in music when you need to be focused in design or you're more into design when you need to be working on a track or something like that? Well, yeah, there's times where um, it ebb and flows. Like, you know, when I was uh, working on the Dichotomy project, I was simultaneously doing animations for clients. You know, like during the day, I'd be doing Pan 2 creative things, servicing clients and whatnot. And then when I get home, I'll get something to eat. And then I go in my studio and then I'm working on music, you know. And it's kind of, it's one of them things, man, where like when I get an idea for something, it's hard for me to ignore it. And I think it speaks back to when I would have that feeling when I was at the nine to five where I was like, you're not supposed to be here. Like there was something in me that was like, I want to release a 20 instrumental track that's just a bunch of instrumentals and I want to do it by the end of the year. So when I told myself that, it was just something I had to do. And so, yeah, I, I kind of I don't think anything ever interrupts anything else. You know, if I have a deadline for something, I got to meet that deadline. I'm, you know, I'm not going to like not do that. But I never forget or let go of the ideas that I have over time. You know, so it's like even if I might not work on doing the day, I'll work on it during the night or in little bits and pieces there until it's done. So I want to kind of switch gears here a little bit. I want to, you know, just kind of talk and focus more on on you individually who do you look to for inspiration? Is there anyone out there that you admire? It can be professionally, it can be personally, anyone like that. Yeah, well, I've always said one of my main inspirations is Nina Simone, because even though she was a musician, the the honesty of in which she carried herself, the, and the honesty in, in what you heard in her music, and creatively, when you really listen to her songs and her lyrics and just like the patterns in some of her music is really crazy. So like I try to translate that over into a lot of what I do. I try to be honest with who I am as a person and honest in my creativity and my work and in business situations, you know, I try to be professionally honest, you know, (laughs) but yeah, Nina Simone from a, another one is Stanley Kubrick. He's one of my favorite directors. The thing that I admire about him the most is that, he was able to make a horror movie, a comedy, a sci-fi film, all different styles of filmmaking and still be himself and still articulate visually like, you know, that's a Stanley Kubrick film. Like, I, I really like that idea because a lot of the things that I do, you know, I, I work with a lot of different mediums. And like, like I said before, like, I never really look at it as like I do all these things. I just look at it as like this is another avenue of creative expression that I'm using to tell a story of some sort, whether it's musically or visually, it really doesn't matter. But yeah, I'd say Nina Simone, Stanley Kubrick, I don't know, it, it, it evolves. And a lot of times it could just be somebody I walk past on the street that says something that I think is pretty cool. You know, I don't really know him, but like the inspiration I'll get from that moment, things like that happen all the time. Like, I don't know, like a little kid will say something or look at me funny or something like that. Well, perfect example. This is a perfect example. I was okay. uh, I was in the airport walking to catch my flight and I saw this little kid like ahead of me and I I noticed that he saw me and he was kind of like trying to walk in front of me or like walk where I was walking. And mm-hmm. uh, I, in that moment, realized what he was doing. And so I started to like dart back and forth to try to mess with him. And he realized that I was like playing the same game he was playing. So oh, we had this little like funny moment where he laughed and I laughed and I didn't know him. But then, you know, I passed him and kept it moving. 
And I thought that was really cool because it was like, it was a very inspirational moment for me because it was like, he didn't know me and I didn't know him, but we connected on that little creative moment in time. And then we kept moving. And so like, I just like the idea of that, of trying to have more moments like that with just people in general where like, I, I feel like we, we walk around ignoring each other all the time. And when we could have a lot in common with each other, if we give ourselves the opportunity to open up to one another and create things. And yeah, so it just, you know, stuff like that will happen or I'll get inspiration from moments like that to, you know, other people such as like Nina Simone or Stanley Kubrick, you know. What would you say is your dream project? Like if you had access to unlimited funds, if you had the time and the resources right. that you needed, what would be your dream project? My goal has always been to make a feature film. Like if I came up with an idea and someone trusted me enough based off of my creativity and just who I am as a person, and I basically was like, look, I got an idea. If you just give me like three to five years to do it in the funding, like I'll complete it. And and for them to just be like, cool, that's mm-hmm. that's great. I'll see you in a couple of years. <laughs> like that's always been my dream scenario because a lot of times the only thing standing in your way and one element of it is is the funds to do so and the time. So if someone were to pay you for your time and just trust you that you know, you'll do something creative and great. I feel like that would be a beautiful thing because there would just be no limits. Um, you could just let your mind float and let it do what you know it's capable of doing, you know? One thing that you mentioned, like when you first got to Raleigh and you had to to get out there and, and get your name out there in the community, what were kind of some of the ways that you did that? Was it through like meetups or, or did you have any mentors that helped you out or anything like that? I mean... Really, the the only way that I did was through my work, honestly. I'm not somebody that really likes to talk about themselves, which is something that I had to get used to as I progressed through my career as a professional because, you know, there's a point where you do need to say who you are and what you do. But when I, in general, you know, I'm, I really would rather my work speak for me. And um, really the way my name I began to notice was getting out there was based off of the the things that I was doing. So professionally, you know, from the work that I was doing at my first job, people started to notice the work that I was doing, which led to my next job. And then in my personal career, or in my, I guess, just who I am as an individual, when I started making music, making some beats for my friends, and they would rhyme over them, or making the documentary about Cooley High, from a personal standpoint, people started to, or just people started to recognize like what I was doing and who I was. And I really just continued to do those things, which evolved into me kind of being recognized both professionally and personally for what I do. And it it was just kind of more of an organic thing. Like I've always wanted to like have my work and word of mouth be what gets me any kind of recognition. Like I I shouldn't have to sell who I am to you. My work should let you know who I am. And Mm -hmm. that's how I felt about it. Are you creatively satisfied? Now I am, yes. And I guess the way I interpret that question from creatively satisfied is where I am now creatively and professionally, I'm confident in myself in a way that I wasn't when I first started my professional career. And what Mm -hmm. I mean by that is like, I'm confident in my creative decisions, you know? Yeah. I'm still learning every day. I mean, I'm not saying creatively I have the answer in every situation, but the thoughts and ideas that I have, you know, I'm confident about it. I'm confident that I can see them through. 
And also, I feel that my creative voice is just as strong as my, well, put it this way, my creative voice is very boisterous <laughs> in the sense of, like, I can confidently speak creatively in a way that I, I hadn't been able to confidently when I started out. And, you know, from, and a lot of that comes from having started my own business and, you know, every year, you know, it's, it kind of, you, you proved to yourself that you can do it. Like the first, it's been four years now I've been on my own and, uh, building the business. And like the first year when I did it, when I made it from January to December, you know, I was like, man, I actually did it. And Mm -hmm. then when January started the next year, I was like, all right, well, we got to do it again. So the second year happened and I was like, wow, I did it again. And so each year it's like, you learn from that year and you also just try to continue to organically do what you're doing. And um, it kind of led up to this moment in time where I say I'm creatively satisfied because my creativity has gotten me up to this point in time. What advice would you give to someone that is kind of just starting out in the design industry? What would you tell them? I would say in this, if they're just starting out at this moment in time, I would say to learn as much as you can because the profession is evolving in such a way that is it's evolving so fast and technology is evolving so fast. I mean, you got Oculus Rift, the virtual reality component just came out like three, four days ago or something like that. And you got everything like from like that to like if you're a designer these days, it's not just about being able to be one kind of designer. I think that the nature of the business is like you might be dealing with typography and photoshop one day and then you might need to create something that is going to be existing in a video that's going to then be played on a phone i would say that just keep your passion can be whatever it is but stay aware and stay open-minded about the other cross platforms that might be coming into your profession like there was a time where it was like if you're just an illustrator it's like you know that's cool you're an illustrator that's fine and you can still do that to this day if, if that's your thing But I feel like so many more doors will open if you're like, I'm an illustrator, but the fact that I'm an illustrator and the fact that I see illustrations in animations and in video games and animated things that happen when I slide my phone to the left or right or when YouTube opens up or whatever or Twitter, like having your mind go in those directions because there's so many avenues that design can play a part in. And I I was having a conversation with my friend the other day where I feel like this moment in time is the first time in my lifetime I've experienced I feel like creatives are finally getting the recognition that they deserve because I feel like these industries and these corporate entities are starting to realize that the creatives run things man like we are able to come up with ideas especially during this time where ideas ideas are needed and are necessary for the survival of everybody. <laughs> I mean, the survival of humans, essentially. I mean, we, we got to start to come up with new ideas and ways of doing things. And I think to be a designer and to be a creative, don't just limit yourself to one aspect of design. Like, Think about all kinds of ways that you can design things in a creative sense and for the greater good. What do you want to accomplish this year? I want to continue to get to grow Pan2 Creative. But some of the things that I, ta- I just kind of briefly touched on, I've had some projects recently where I'm beginning to create some augmented reality and virtual reality environments, which I need to, basically I need to start to get a strong handle on the world of of that. (laughs) 
because it's coming. And with my profession dealing with animation and video, that's a lane that I haven't explored because I hadn't been asked to explore it yet. But now that I'm being asked, that validates me not only buying more equipment, which is always fun, (laughs) but it validates me wanting to basically learn something, evolve my skills in a way that I hadn't yet. And I'm actually really excited about it because I always like growing in my profession. And it's kind of something that it's like, anytime I can embark on something where it's like, I don't really know 100% of how this works, but I know I'm going to figure it out. You know, I'm, it always gets me excited. So where do you see yourself in, let's say, the next five years or so? Like, where do you think Pan 2 Creative will be? Where do you think you'll be? Well, I think that, you know, earlier when you asked me about am I creatively satisfied, I feel that five years from now, I hope that that will be amplified even more and that I can be in a place where my creativity continues to have no bounds, you know, to where I'm not locked into anything, where I'm able to still service clients, still create. But, you know, at the end of the day, my world is my world and my life is is my life in the sense that creativity can can flourish in it. And, you know, I think that just like how I got to this moment in time now, it's like it, it's very organic, man. Like I embrace it and I understand it in the way that what I have noticed to this point in time is like my job I feel here on this planet is to create and to listen to what is telling me to create those things. Where I'm going to be headed or what's happening next, I don't know. But when I have just listened to what I feel I'm supposed to be doing and just whether it's music or whatever, creativity or animation or whatever, when I follow that path of like, I feel like this is what I'm supposed to do. What I've seen happen after that, I never imagined would happen. So what happens in the next five years, I don't know, but Mm -hmm. I'm excited about it. (laughs) And uh, if I continue to do what I'm doing now, I look forward to honoring whatever gift is, is presented in the future. That sounds good, man. That's what's up. Well, just to kind of wrap everything up, where can our audience find out more about you and about Pantu Creative and your work online. Sure. If you want to follow me and just see what's going on whenever I'm doing whatever I'm doing, it's at NapWright. That's at N-A-P-W-R-I-G-H-T. That's on Twitter and on Instagram. And if you visit P-A-N-I-I.com, that's Pan2.com, like Roman numeral two, you can see my my work, you know, what I'm currently working on what I have worked on past work current work and you can follow me there and if you want to find me on SoundCloud musically just search Napoleon Wright the second you'll see me on there uh, my latest project is dichotomy it, it should be there and also the group that I'm in with my man Jared Wofford is called art nap and that's art space nap and you can find us on SoundCloud also but those avenues are pretty much where I live and when I create things, that's where they'll be. So, All right. Well, Napoleon Wright II, thank you again so much for coming on the show. I really like this sort of organic and holistic approach that you have when it comes to your work and I guess as it comes to design as a whole. It seems like you can really fluidly move between design and animation and music and and that's something that really you know like you said that's a good trait to have because it mirrors what 
is going on in the industry right now. Things are changing and growing so much. So thank you again so much. This was really good. I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity. Thoughts of love are in your mind. And that's it for this week. Big thanks to Napoleon Wright II and thanks to you for listening. You can find out more about Napoleon and his work through the links in the show notes at revisionpath.com. Thanks, of course, as always, to our sponsors, MailChimp and Hover. When it comes to email marketing, MailChimp makes it simple. They have great in-depth reporting, new and improved autoresponder features, and you can send 12,000 emails to 2,000 subscribers for free. No contracts and no credit card required. Check them out at MailChimp.com. Hover takes all the hassle and confusion out of buying and managing your domain. Search for a few keywords and Hover will show you the best available options across all the domain extensions out there. Ready to get started? Save 10% off your first purchase by using the promo code REVISIONPATH at checkout. This episode was edited by RJ Basilio and produced by me, Maurice Cherry. Our intro is by Music Man Dre. Intro and outro audio by Yellow Speaker. Make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a rating and a review. It really helps us get new listeners, and I'll read your review right here on the show. Revision Path is brought to you by Lunch, a multidisciplinary creative studio in Atlanta, Georgia. If you like the work Revision Path is doing with the podcast and the website, then visit us over at Patreon and become a patron. Just go to patreon.com forward slash revision path and pledge your support. Pledge levels start at just $1 per month and you'll get access to behind the scenes information about the show, upcoming interviews, and so much more. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time.